0: when your your innate immune system attacks itself, that's when it becomes an autoimmune. So the body almost gets confused. So in this case with the thyroid, your body tags that thyroid gland as kind of like an antigen or a foreign invader.
1: Living a healthy, balanced life as a mom can sometimes feel impossible. With tiny mouths to feed, butts to wipe, and so many things vying for our attention, it can be easy to feel like we're in an on-again, off-again relationship with healthy living. But it doesn't have to feel this way. I believe every mom is a supermom, and you deserve to feel like one too, and you don't have to go on another diet to do it. Join me, Kristen Dovniak, holistic nutritionist and certified intuitive eating counselor for conversations on what it means to live a healthy, balanced life. I want to help you uncomplicate eating, improve your relationship with food, and live like the Supermama I know you are. Hey friends, welcome back to the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. I'm Kristen Dovniak, holistic health coach and certified intuitive eating counselor, and your host of the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. Today, I have another awesome guest for you. I am joined today by Allie Hobson, who I have been listening to on the Nutritionish podcast since the very beginning. So, a couple years now, she is co host with Chelsea Gross, who is on the podcast. A couple months ago, and they are both just incredible human beings with really unique stories. And the reason why I wanted to have Allie come on the podcast is not just because she is a fabulous functional nutritional therapy practitioner, but she has a really unique story of struggling with an autoimmune disease. And interestingly enough, it is an autoimmune disease that she was pretty asymptomatic around, so All of a sudden, her life was rocked when she found out that she had Hashimoto's thyroiditis and she shares her story about how she found out and how she began the journey of healing from Hashimoto's using both holistic practices and functional medicine um, as well as some medication. She shares her perspective on all of that and really making it work in Her life, both in the prenatal phase, as she has an adorable little boy, Asher, who's just over a year now, and in the postpartum phase. So we had a great conversation about autoimmune disease, Hashimoto's, how she had to work through that during pregnancy and postpartum, and then now as a mom, we talked a lot about taking care of yourself as a mom, autoimmune disease or not how to make time and prioritize taking care of yourself, how to find so-called balance with everything going on in the world um, as a mom, as a business owner. So we just had a really awesome conversation about all things health, functional health, nutrition, motherhood, autoimmune disease, all of the things. And I think you're really going to enjoy our conversation today. So I'm going to go ahead and introduce her and we'll jump right in to the interview. Allie Hobson is a certified functional nutritional therapy practitioner focusing on holistic nutrition, lab testing, and natural healing solutions. She became a nutritionist because she was inspired by her own health journey after dealing with amenorrhea and struggling to start a family. Along that path, she discovered she was dealing with thyroid autoimmunity, adrenal stress, and a cascade of hormonal imbalances. Through the healing power of food, supplements, Chinese medicine, and other holistic modalities, Allie was able to overcome and manage these health challenges and is now the mama to her baby boy Asher, who just turned 15 months old. As of as an FNTP, she's trained to provide programs and protocols to assist individuals in achieving their health goals. She works to assess individual nutritional deficiencies using the body's innate intelligence, coupled with cutting-edge lab testing as a certified restorative wellness practitioner. Allie primarily focuses on women's health and specializes in gut dysfunction, thyroid dysregulation, post-birth control syndrome, and prenatal nutrition. Sorry, it's a mouthful, but Allie has some fabulous certifications. In addition to being a stay-at-home mom, Allie runs her own business. Allie hops in wellness and works as a nutritionist at two San Diego clinics focusing on holistic primary care and holistic recovery from substance abuse. When Allie's not working with patients or clients, she hosts a podcast called Nutritionish and partners as an advocate for safer skincare with Beauty Counter. I think you can imagine how much we had to talk about. So without further ado, here is my interview with Allie. Hey, Allie. Welcome to the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. I'm so excited to have you here today. We have so much to dig into. I can't wait to dig into your story and start chatting. Um, but I'd love to start with just an easy little icebreaker. So what do you drink first thing in the morning when you wake up?
0: Good question. Um, water. <laughs> actually. Um, I usually keep a giant thing of water by my bed, and I try and chug an entire glass of water right when I get up, and it helps with my digestion and just kind of get me going. Plus, I do drink coffee, so I like to get in a good amount of water before I hit, you know, the straight caffeine situation.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I am exactly like that. I've thankfully gotten into a routine of having water before my coffee, but if I had not gotten into that routine, I would probably go straight for the
0: coffee too. So (laughs) yeah, one of the, the easiest kind of like nice changes that we've had during this kind of quarantine time is my husband has taken a very, um, professional interest in coffee making. <laughs> so he doesn't cook. He doesn't do anything in the kitchen. It's usually just me, but he's like very into his French press. And so I'll come downstairs and he's like, I've made you this beautiful French press. And I used the coffee that you got and it's organic. And I'm like, wow, this is like amazing. <laughs> That is so that's awesome. the silver lining in this whole situation.
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey, really good coffee is pretty amazing. So we okay. um, got a Chemex for Christmas last year for my mom. And it takes so long that it's definitely not something we do every day with two kids. Yeah. But on the weekend, sometimes my husband will bring it out and we'll have this really amazing cup of Chemex. And it's So good.
0: (laughs) So good. I went down the whole rabbit hole of trying to find like the most non-toxic, you know, clean coffee maker that doesn't have any plastic. And I mean, I know the Chemex is the best in terms of that, but I was like, I just don't know that I have the time to do that and wait and do the pour over. And then I went into a rabbit hole of finding um, automatic Pour overs—they exist. I was like, "Well, this is fabulous," but they're like, you know, five (laughs) hundred dollars. Of course, (laughs) but yeah, I was like, "What a novel idea!" So I, I just do a French press now, which you know doesn't take too long, but takes long enough. But the Chemex is my next. Maybe that'll be my husband's next um, adventure that I will gift him.
1: (laughs) It's pretty delicious. Like how different and just sort of clean tasting the coffees, if that makes sense. Like it's, it's so good. I don't, I don't typically add a lot to my coffee. I like a little bit of cream in my coffee, but I don't need anything with the Chemex. I just want that pure Mm -hmm. coffee flavor. So good. And I use a French press too. That's what I use most days because four minutes is easier for me than standing over it. (laughs) Right. Exactly. So much fun. Oh my gosh. I love that question because everyone's answer is a little bit different and I I love hearing what you do first thing in the morning. So I already shared your bio with my listeners, but I would love if you could just share a little bit more about who you are and what you're passionate about
0: bringing to the world. Sure. Well, thank you. You know, just to back up for having me on, I'm really excited. I love doing you know, podcast interviews and talking about all the things, especially now being a mom on this podcast, I feel like I'm part of like a new fun crew. So, so thanks for welcoming me into the fold there. Um, but yeah, so my background, uh, let's see, going back all the way to college, I guess you could say, is actually not in nutrition or health and wellness at all. I majored, I started out as an architecture major. And um, even through high school, I knew that I was going to do interior design, like hands down, Um, We had internships even back in high school, um, where I went to school. And so I did an internship with an interior designer. And that's kind of what I wanted to get into. So um, decided architecture was kind of the next best thing because they didn't really have a good program. I went to USC up in LA. And they didn't have a good interior design program. So I was like, "Eh, architecture will be like kind of the same. let me tell you, it's not, it's drastically (laughs) different (laughs) and it's a lot of work. And after year one, I was like, I don't know if I want to do this. So I switched into doing more real estate, commercial real estate kind of stuff. Um, Public planning and development was my major. And then I had a minor in architecture. So I, I really still loved that whole industry and thought that that's what I was going to do for the most of my life. Um, I worked at two um, different architecture firms. I worked at Disney actually for a while, right out of college, which was my dream job. Um, and I just, yeah, everything about that was amazing, except that I had this, like, I don't know, just kind of passion for health and wellness as just like a fun hobby. Like I was always, you know, the healthier friend or like coming up with, I don't know, funny recipes for things that I'm like, you guys should really try, you know, like using, (laughs) I don't know, zucchini for noodles or whatever. Um, you know, back (laughs) when I was in school. So I think that I always had kind of like a, an inkling or an itch for health and wellness. And I loved running, um, all that stuff. So that's kind of how I felt this like need to kind of pursue that hobby. And then it really was kind of probably around 2000. And I would say like 15 was kind of when I was like, okay, something's not right. And so I was working um, in an architecture firm really, really long hours. That's the other thing about that industry is it's just literally so demanding it was like pulling all-nighters you know again like I was in college and um we were about to get married my husband and I were going to get married and I was really excited mostly because I was like I'm going to go off of birth control like this is my big moment that I don't have to take anything because I've always been more skeptical in terms of taking like you know aspirin and Tylenol or Tums or I just don't like taking stuff that I don't feel like is made from nature (laughs) I'm kind of I don't know what that is or where that really comes from, because it's not like my parents or my mom was really, you know, I don't know, a health nut really. I mean, we just took normal things, I guess, but I just always had this aversion to that kind of stuff. And so I was really excited to finally get off of birth control. And at the time I was also kind of reading too about like how it can really disrupt your hormones more than it's helping. And then there's the connection with the gut, the gut. And, um, So I went off of the pill in 2015 and nothing happened. And I remember my gynecologist saying like in three months, if you still don't get your period, then, you know, we'll put you back on the pill and it should come back. So three months came around and then I was like, oh, eh, what is he now? Like it probably just takes longer. I've been on it for like 12 years. It's going to be back in three months. So I gave it a little longer, a little longer. And after about a year, I was kind of like, all right, well, maybe I could start to like figure this out because this seems like somewhat not normal. And I started listening to podcasts. Um, I started listening to anything that I could get my hands on. And I was learning, okay, so there's more to just your hormones than your hormones themselves, like the thyroid has something to do with it or could have something to do with it. Stress, under eating, calories matter. So I kind of just launched into this whole, like, I don't know, crime sleuth around health. (laughs) And I got some lab tests done, um, you know, kind of to fast forward. I was told that I had Hashimoto's and I'd never heard that term before in my entire life. I remember coming home to my husband and being like, oh my God, I have this like Thing, and it's like an autoimmune disease. I don't even know what that means. And yeah, it's like pretty serious. And I really didn't have any symptoms um, aside from the lack of my period not coming back. And so I kind of just brushed it off a little bit and thought, you know what, I don't know. She didn't, the doctor said, you know, we don't have to put you on medication just yet. We'll just monitor it. It should be fine. But you know, knowing what I know now, it's like my TSH at that time was really pretty high. I don't know why they thought that they didn't need to put me on something. And in a way I'm kind of grateful because I probably wouldn't have gone down the path of investigating as much as I did. So I saw a naturopath. I kind of took more of an alternative route because I didn't just want to go the conventional way. I'm really stubborn, I think, in that way. I definitely get that from my dad. It's like, if someone tells me to do something, I'm going to go completely the opposite direction and research the hell out of something because I think that it could be a thing. So I just went into this big investigative research and, you know, really kind of uncovered so many things that I was doing wrong, even though I thought I was a really, really healthy person. And, you know, that kind of cascaded me into finding out about the nta which is where i went to nutrition school Um, i did that simultaneously while you know working in an interior design firm Um, became a nutritional therapy um, practitioner and i was like nope this is this is what i'm gonna do because i know there are so many women uh, just like me that are having these issues and think that maybe there's like just one option or they're feeling really frustrated and it was kind of like i pulled back this curtain That I didn't even know existed. And I just kind of fell in love. So that's how I got into, you know, kind of what I'm doing now.
1: So, so cool. I love that you had that like underlying passion for health and wellness, but then it was your own health struggles that you didn't even know you were having that you just kind of uncovered that really drew you to this. And oh my gosh, I. I don't believe anything happened. I believe everything happens for a reason, actually. I don't think there's any real coincidences. That's so cool. And I imagine very scary when you're like, oh, I just think this is a little issue that I definitely need to dig into further. But being handed an autoimmune condition when you had no other symptoms is got to be pretty scary and definitely life altering. So for those listening who might not know, can you just kind of explain what Hashimoto's is um, and kind of your story of what happened once you were diagnosed? You said you kind of let it go for a little while, but once you kind of started working
0: towards healing, what did that kind of look like? Sure. So background on Hashimoto's is that it is considered an autoimmune condition. There are a million different types of autoimmune conditions, you know, things like lupus and um, rheumatoid arthritis, those are all things that. When your, your innate immune system attacks itself, that's when it becomes an autoimmune. So the body almost gets confused. So in this case with the thyroid, your body tags that thyroid gland as kind of like an antigen or a foreign invader. And so certain things um, can be kind of underlying as to what causes Hashimoto's, which I can kind of explain a little bit too, but also one third of it is genetic. So during this time, I did learn, not even till actually about a year ago, um, that my aunt has Hashimoto's, which I had no idea, we're just not very close, and it randomly came up in conversation. So I think that with any of these types of conditions, sometimes the genetics kind of plant that seed and your diet and your lifestyle and maybe the things that you're eating or certain stressors um, can pull that trigger to bring something to light. So I think in my case, um, I don't necessarily still know what that kind of like, you know one thing was and this is what i talk about with my clients all the time is that it's usually not just one thing it's not one thing that you did wrong that brought this about it's so many different things that kind of put this like train track together to all of a sudden the train just came flying down the tracks and it's like here we are so basically the symptoms that you can have with hashimotos are Completely different for every person. I'd say the most um, typical, um, maybe even stereotypical, would be, you know, extreme fatigue, um, hair loss. They can come with digestive issues because your thyroid is in charge of so many different processes in the body, one being metabolism. Um, so weight gain can be something as well um, when your metabolism isn't working properly. Um, you know, weight can be an issue, and then also just metabolism as it relates to. Um, Fatigue—that can be something. So there's a lot of different things, and the adrenals can get involved. I mean, I can go down a whole cascade. But every single organ organ in your body uh, relates to one another. So you can't really kind of fix one thing without touching on another. But typically, the thyroid is in charge of you know those types of functions, um, and then that's kind of what can go wrong. So I didn't have any of those symptoms. Like I didn't have the weight gain. I didn't have hair loss. I didn't have fatigue. Like I, if you know me, if like personally, or maybe even from just, you know, talking with me or chatting with me, I'm like the most energetic person ever. Like I never get tired. My husband calls me the cortisol queen, which I'm like, that's probably not a good thing. <laughs> like I should probably address that. But I just, I've never had any type of issues with that, even when my TSH. And so when I say things like TSH, those are lab markers that you can have done um, in terms of blood work. And that's one of the markers that says pretty much like how well your thyroid hormone is functioning or how much hormone your body is putting out. And even at a level that doesn't make sense. And it's like, Whoa, that should indicate hypothyroid. So Hashimoto's can mean hypothyroid and it can also mean hyperthyroid. So your hyper hyperthyroid meaning your thyroid is working too quickly and perhaps you're having like heart palpitations or you do have you know more of that like just crazy exonerate like you know energy like I would seem almost more like someone who's more hyperthyroid than hypo hypo meaning slow um but even when my thyroid was not working and should have been reading very very hypothyroid I still didn't really have any of those symptoms um and so I mean that could be for a lot of different you know. Clinical reasons. However, it just didn't seem like a problem. You know, it's like, well, if I don't have any of the symptoms, then what's the big deal? Um, the other thing that you want to look at when you're looking at Hashimoto's, just instead of hypothyroid, is you would have antibodies. And so those are the antibodies that your system is attacking as that fate. And it's being like, hey, go attack that, go attack the thyroid. And so your antibodies increase. So if you have high levels of antibodies, specifically either TPO or TGA, that would indicate that you would have Hashimoto's. So that's a clinical way to kind of test for it. Thank you for explaining that. I feel like, you know, I,
1: just with my nutrition experience, I have learned quite a bit about the thyroid, but I think one of the things that you pointed out that can be really confusing is that a lot of those symptoms are symptoms of other health conditions too. So really getting to the bottom of it or in, a lot of times just going to your doctor and going oh I'm really tired all the time and they're like yeah me too. <laughs> Cuz so many people yeah. experience things like fatigue and and for you you know going off of birth control and then not having your period for a few months a lot of people would consider that normal and you recognize that this wasn't normal and that you wanted to do some further testing. So I think it's a really good just I don't know, encouragement for the woman who feels like something is off, even if they have that little, just that little inkling that I think something's off to go get that testing. Because sometimes you need the testing to tell you that, hey, there's something going on. I've had quite a few clients actually who have listed out some of these symptoms and they're like, well, I've been like this for a really long time. So I think it's just me. And I'm like, well, maybe go to your doctor and get these tests done. And I've had more than one come back and go, oh my gosh, I have this thyroid condition I had no idea about, or I have PCOS, or you know, all of these different conditions. So there's so, there's, I, and then you know, their lives change once they realize that, oh my gosh, I can actually take action and I can actually do something to start healing my body. So what did you do when you started, when you decided to kind of start healing your body? What changes did you make? And you weren't experiencing a lot of the symptoms, but what did you notice once you started making changes?
0: Yeah, I think the the main catalyst for me wanting to actually do something was not even wanting to fix the thyroid. I was kind of like, all right, I need an order of events. Like what is most important to me? Because I didn't have that understanding necessarily like, oh, I should definitely address you know, the thyroid or I should really feel like, or, you know, figure out what's going on. I was like, I need my period back because at that time it was like, okay, my husband and I were ready to have kids. And it was a really big kind of like, well, we can't (laughs) because if you're not really, I mean, sure. Technically, sometimes you can still get pregnant if you're, you know, not having a period. Um, and, but I just was like, well, that's not a good place to, you know, set the foundation for, for a family when things are clearly not happening. So that was really my main driver is like, I want to get my period back naturally because I can recognize that something's wrong. So that was kind of like, you know, I think, and I think that's important too, when you're realizing like, why do you want to fix something or heal something or investigate further, like figure out and make it really clear. Like, what is your why? My why was a family. And so that was going to not stop me from doing anything. (laughs) I was going to do whatever it took for the most part. So the first thing I did was I did go see, you know, traditional um, endocrinologists. I saw, you know, traditional gynecologists, a handful of them. And most of them, um, actually, what's funny is that the first doctor I saw, he goes, I know you're not going to want to hear this, but I think you actually just need to gain weight. And I was like, well, that's not going to happen. And so I just moved on. And now when I look back on that, I'm like, I literally might've just been able to do that and get my period back. Mm -hmm. I mean, yes, there were a lot of other things going on, but that was a very, very big critical thing for me personally in my journey to get my, my cycle back and heal from amenorrhea. So anyways, I saw a bunch of different doctors um, and I ended up seeing a naturopath and she identified that, you know, autoimmune diseases happen for a certain, you know, whatever reason, it could be something like heavy metal toxicity, it could be poor liver function to where you're not converting the thyroid hormone. Um, It could be a handful of things. It could be a lot of different gut issues. So I worked with her for a while. We did, you know, a handful of supplements. I totally changed um, the way that I ate in terms of how cleanings were. I always quote unquote eaten healthy, but what I thought was healthy were like, I mean, in college, I guess that doesn't really count (laughs) because it was like super healthy in college. Maybe some people are, but like cottage cheese doubles had low calories or like think thin bars, you know, didn't have a lot of sugar. I didn't read ingredients or labels or anything. Um, Also with Hashimoto's and um, I would say gut healing in general, gluten is a really big trigger for a lot of people. Um, I feel fine when I eat gluten. I probably still feel maybe okay if I eat it. I just, it's been so long. But gluten is really, really important to avoid when you have Hashimoto's because there's something called molecular mimicry. And the gluten protein, um, gliadin, actually looks a lot like your thyroid gland. So when you're consuming gluten on a daily basis, you're kind of asking your body to get confused. The body is going to target the gluten and try and break that down, but instead they're gonna get confused and break down basically your thyroid tissue. So I completely eliminated gluten from my diet. Um, I did take into consideration something called cross-reactive foods with gluten, where some people's body even consider things like oats and chocolate and coffee and things that can get confused with gluten as well and continue to attack that gland. Um, I kind of completely cut out dairy for a really long time. Um, And what I do now is you know, a little bit different. It's kind of a hybrid of maybe all these things. I'm pretty strict with a lot of stuff, but, um, I went down, you know, kind of doing no grains and really just looking at like, what can I do to reduce inflammation? I educated myself on which foods cause inflammation, which foods are gut disrupting. Um, I did a lot of testing I think that can be really helpful. I'm kind of more of a functional nutritionist I would say in terms of how I like to figure things out. I think that you can do a lot of the basics and depending on where you're coming from, that might get you really really far, but I think information can be really powerful depending on where you're at and you know costs of course stuff like that. But I did a GI map stool test I did, a food sensitivity test. Um, I tested for SIBO. I tested for Candida. Um, I mean, I looked at everything. I continued to run my thyroid lab. So I really took it from kind of like a clinical functional level. And of course, at the time I was going through nutrition school. So I was trying to just use myself almost as a case study And I would say most of the people that I know who end up becoming um, a nutritionist or in the health world kind of learn from themselves and being that guinea pig. So it's actually really helpful. It's just hard to kind of be the person navigating the ship. I think you definitely need to, you know, pass the baton off to someone else because working with yourself is really hard (laughs) and I still struggle with that like oh I should do this and maybe I should do this but I just you know I ask somebody else and I have people that I rely on to be like all right give it to me straight should I do this test or do I not need to do this because I can't like see beyond the you know the the blurry goggles that I have on um but yeah I did a lot of testing I went through the NTP program And I think that's kind of what set me into a path of understanding the levels in which, okay, this is the most important. Let's address this first. And then we're going to do this. And then we're going to do this and really take it by like a step-by-step process.
1: Yeah. I love that. I like that you, you did take it with that step-by-step. You did all of the research and you did all the testing, but it was, what are these like the low hanging fruit, I guess, right? What are the big things? And then kind of adding in those other things. So I'm curious because we talk a lot about finding balance here. And when you have a condition like an autoimmune condition, it can feel hard to strike a balance between, okay, I'm eating these foods or I'm not eating these foods because I want to nourish my body well and because I'm trying to heal you know, my body or, or reduce inflammation um, and just serve my body well. So how did you find that balance of, you said, you know, you're still without gluten, but you, you were without dairy for a while and then you kind of added it back. How did you sort of find that, that place of balance in terms of eating and kind of how you serve your body now versus kind of in the very beginning?
0: Yeah. I mean, now is a little bit different. Um, and it's, I, I don't know a lot of the answers I feel like just because my biggest thing is that i got pregnant and I had a baby who's screaming behind me. I don't know if you can hear it. <laughs> it's all but, good. It's the podcast uh, yeah, for moms. <laughs> exactly. So y'all get it. Um, but the biggest thing was I, I did end up getting my period back. It took me, I'm trying to think in total, probably about two years, I think, of all of this. Um, And I actually have tracked kind of like, even like weight wise, like what did my body need to get to? I mean, the biggest thing for me was actually addressing more of that on my end and leaving everything else to the practitioners that I was working with to tell them or have them tell me like, okay, you can take these supplements. We're addressing this. We're going to detox this part. But on my end, I really needed to focus on, okay, am I truly stressing my body out? And the answer was yes. I needed to gain weight. I was, you know, I'm a tiny person just in general. I mean, I'm five feet tall. I've never weighed, never had weighed <laughs> over a hundred pounds in my entire life. And that was a really big thing for me to be like, okay, your body needs this. This is something that you have to do to heal because I was, you know, working out a ton. I would say I was probably like a, an over-exerciser addict. I would go when I was working like to spin class. I mean, five days a week at 5am. I wasn't sleeping a lot because I don't really need a lot of sleep. I still feel okay. (laughs) So I kind of had to address that. And that's really what brought me into kind of like a place to be like, okay, I did get my cycle back. Um, I was able to get naturally pregnant and had a beautiful pregnancy. And so since my body's accomplished that, I feel like now my perspective is a little bit different. Um, My perspective now is kind of like, okay, I exist for my child. And so being postpartum, he just turned 14 months. And I think it's been a little bit weird to be honest. Like I, I don't know that I have all the answers and there's still a ton of things that I would love to dig into in my own health stuff. I mean, I still have gut issues here and there. Um, so right now I kind of have been in this blissful moment of I'm postpartum. I need to meet myself where I'm at. I cannot eat perfectly. Um, I'm going to still cut out gluten and I'm still going to eat really healthy, but I can't put myself on something like an autoimmune paleo protocol where you cut out coffee, nuts, seeds, chocolate. Um, I mean, nightshades, alcohol, like all the things, I mean, I tried like my favorite things. (laughs) Exactly. You know? And so I think also for me, like I realized how much of some of my gut issues. So I ended up when I did do the testing for like SIBO and candida I had both of those. I did, you know, all the antibacterial protocols and all that stuff. And it was really, really restrictive. Like I was on a low FODMAP diet for a really long time, no garlic, no onions, um, you know, not excess up or like not eating excess avocado sticking to like the one quarter cup only for coconut milk. Um, it was just really, really exhausting for me mentally. And I never felt that much better to be honest. So going through all that, I think now my perspective is look my mental health is probably just as important as my gut health because I know that when my mental health isn't there and I go down these rabbit holes my gut health declines you know I can be doing everything right but I think it's like this crazy overwhelming thing that you can sometimes get into to where it actually negatively impacts you because if you're so stressed out about what you're doing, your cortisol elevates, your digestive system shuts down, you're not producing the right enzymes through the pancreas. I mean, it's this cascade of problems. So right now I'm living in a very nice space of, I allow myself to have, you know, most of the things I'm not super restrictive in terms of the, you know, the nightshades and all the things. But I do eat really, really healthy comparatively, I would say, to maybe most of, you know, America, you could say. So I still do mostly dairy-free, definitely gluten-free. I just try not to overconsume those things that I know are not going to be good for me.
1: Yeah, I'm so glad you brought up that the stress side of things and the mental health side of things, because I know I've been there with, you know, I've talked to my listeners a lot about struggling with gut issues on and off and several other conditions. And stress is always the biggest component for me, too. And it's so important to know there's so many things that we can do to heal our bodies, but ultimately, if we are stressed out about them, then that's not going to be helping anything at all. So I'm really glad that you brought that up. And a lot of the balance comes from finding a balance where you're simply not stressing about it and you're just doing the best you can. So you have a sweet little baby boy now I and <laughs> he is so cute. Oh my gosh. He's got these, they're all going to have to go follow you on Instagram because <laughs> his eyelashes are so oh my cute. Gosh.
0: <laughs> I know he's so lucky it's like always the boys that have these like crazy long black eyelashes
1: right <laughs> my two-year-old loves babies so whenever I'm scrolling through Instagram and she sees a baby she's like oh, baby baby and he's one of her favorites I have to say oh. <laughs> yeah, so glad he has fans already he'll be so <laughs> pleased <laughs> So I'm wondering then, how did Hashimoto's play into your pregnancy and your postpartum in terms of things you might have needed to change? And I know you talked a little bit about, you know, being gentle with yourself and postpartum now, but how did, how did that play into kind of the prenatal and, post and um, pregnancy side of
0: things? Yeah. So I, I recognize that, okay, if I was able to bring back my hormones and have them regulate and get my period back and actually get pregnant, then the things that I did to accomplish that were, you know, largely in part by giving my body enough calories and giving my body enough rest and not overstressing it out. So I tried to carry that same thing into you know, my pregnancy. And I kind of went from like working out like a crazy person and running half marathons to basically only walking and doing like very minimal weightlifting, um, which was a really big mental hurdle. And sometimes it still is because I know that I can't go back to that. And I am just one of those people that loves to work out. And I just, I have to put restrictions on myself because I know that I can't. Um, So I think, you know, kind of keeping that in mind when you're trying to give all of your nutrients to something that you're growing inside your body, having that kind of, you know, give yourself, give yourself that rest. I think that a lot of pregnant women that I see are still doing these things or feel the need that they need to do these things. Like you just don't, you just don't have to do anything like this is, especially once, and if this is your first child, once you get to the other side of being a mom, like you never get to rest. So now it's like, I wish I had taken more of those opportunities, you know? Um, So I think definitely kind of just being gentle. Like I definitely, I mean, yoga was what I got into. So I actually um, decided to become a yoga teacher throughout all of this because I just fell in love so much with yoga because it was something that I could do every day um, and something I could dedicate myself to. And it felt like a really kind of like, you know, quote unquote, rigorous workout, even though it was really gentle. So yoga, I think was something that kind of like carried my mental sanity throughout all of this. Um, And let's see. So what else did I do? So kind of to wrap up, I guess the story too, is I didn't ever necessarily like balance my thyroid on my own. I haven't gotten rid of Hashimoto's. I still have it. Um, I did end up going on a bioidentical hormone to support me, which I'm really grateful now. I was really resistant to that at first because I felt like I was giving in, like I didn't fix this on my own and now I have to take a medication every single day. So therefore I failed. And what I realize now is, you know, thank goodness that I did that because there's always a time and a place for something like maybe conventional medicine, especially during pregnancy because your thyroid during pregnancy is going to shift dramatically um, kind of no matter what. So even if you have, you know, decent you know, hormone levels going into it, your TSH can still jump up, um, because there's just so much more of a demand on your body. So if you don't have thyroid problems, I mean, I still recommend getting your thyroid tested during your first trimester, like even the second you find out about, you know, the baby, because you just never know. I mean, it's just one of those really, really important, <laughs> important things for your body. You have to maintain, um, technically, you want your thyroid or your TSH to be below a 2.5 throughout your, throughout your pregnancy to maintain a healthy pregnancy. So that's the first thing I did was I tested my thyroid. I worked really closely with an acupuncturist throughout all of this. Um, and also now kind of after you know graduating, I was also working and still I'm working in a clinical um, holistic, basically healthcare facility. And so I work alongside really, really amazing doctors and naturopath and osteopaths. So, I was really lucky in, in the sense that I could do testing, you know, whenever I wanted, or if I had a question, I could really just ask them anytime I wanted to. But I, I worked with them and I worked with my acupuncturist. And the first thing I did was I tested my TSH. Like the second I found out, I actually, I tested my thyroid before I told my husband we were having a baby because I was so worried and anxious about having it you know, be at a certain level. And I was just, you know, what if this doesn't work out? And I don't want to get him so excited because this was always, and that's a whole other topic, but like us starting a family was actually largely my husband's, you know, push. Like I was ready, but at the same time I was like, but I'm starting a business, I'm changing careers. And he's like, no babies, we need babies. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Chill out. You know, but it was kind of like, I really wanted to make sure that things were looking good before I got him really excited. Um, So tested my thyroid and I continued to do that throughout my pregnancy, like actually every two to four weeks for a while um, just because it could kind of change. So the first time I tested it, I, I did need to add in additional T4 and I also changed, you know, a complete different medication just, you know, because my thyroid wasn't really responding to what I was on initially with now having to support, another thyroid, technically, within a baby. Um, So testing throughout is really, really important. Um, I also know that I have a genetic mutation. Um, About 60% of people have this mutation called MTHFR which can affect your detox pathways. That's one theory and very common people who have Hashimoto's or autoimmune diseases can have some of these, you know, genetic, we call them SNPs or SNPs and it's poor detox. So, you know, some of the chemicals or toxins or things, you know, that normally recycle and kind of get out of someone's system don't necessarily get out of mine as easily. So that's why I went into another whole Kind of overhaul into like personal care products and shampoos and makeup and skincare like i wanted everything to be clean knowing that i had you know a harder time detoxing these things um, so because of that um, the mthfr can actually indicate more clotting um, or more being predisposed to clotting factors and then i have another mutation that i know of called fact i think it's factor five either factor two or factor five Um, so anyways, I knew all these things going in. So I kind of came into my first like OBGYN appointment, like, hi, I have all these things and here's all the things I know about my body. He was kind of like, wow. Okay. (laughs) So, I mean, hands down being your own advocate. Now I feel like I don't want to like scare people to be like, you have to do all these testing, you know, stuff before you get pregnant. Like normally you don't. I just knew that I've had amenorrhea. I have a, you know, Hashimoto's. Um, I have autoimmune disease in my family. And my cycles have never been regular. You know, I had all these things working against me, so that's why I had this information. I don't think it's necessary for you to have all this information going in, but it can be a helpful tool. Um, So I ended up going on a baby aspirin actually for my first trimester just to make sure that I was being really, really careful of clotting. My mom also has a really big history of clotting, and she's had a handful of miscarriages. So I kind of knew my health history um, and. And what I could be, you know, predisposed to. So those are just, you know, some examples of some of the things that I did extra, I guess, too. Um, one thing I do like doing um and recommend that people do is um taking a prenatal, you know, six months, four to six months, even before you start trying to conceive, because you're by the time you find out when you're pregnant, right, you're like, you know, I guess already four weeks. It's like you can find out it maybe like two weeks, but you're already two weeks behind. So making sure that you have all the right nutrients, um, all of those things are kind of like up to par. I like doing um, a micronutrient panel for people who are, you know, kind of planning their preconception. And maybe this is more of like a newer thing in the past, I don't know, five to 10 years, is people like plan for this, you know? They plan for conception and they put their body through kind of, you know, a little baby boot camp to try and be as healthy as possible. And I feel like that is, wise, you know, cause why not? It's like you, you have this human that you're growing. You might as well kind of, you know, make it a little fun hobby and, and know what you're getting into. So I love doing the micronutrient panel. I did that. Um, what else? Yeah. I kind of just, I guess what the Hashimoto's is, is really just monitoring your thyroid and going in regularly. So I did, you know, more blood draws than probably most people. Um, I did the NIPT test, um, to find out like you know, early genetics, um, early Down syndrome, that kind of stuff. I was really interested in, in knowing as much as, as possible. Um, and then when it came to kind of like my birth plan or my birth you know, wishes, you could say, um, I really wanted to try and do as natural as possible, um, just because I know that my body, like I said, doesn't detox as well. I don't typically handle antibiotics and that stuff with my gut and having an autoimmune, maybe as well as some other people. And just for the experience itself, I really was interested in kind of going that more natural route. So that's something that I kind of decided if I can do that, that would be, you know, great to support my body in a natural way. Um, just moving forward, you know, and bringing him into the world too. So.
1: Oh, I love all that. The nutritionist in me that is so into testing and all of those like details is so interested in all of that. But I think, you know, ultimately just the power of being your own advocate and that it's okay to be prepared and we don't need to be over prepared, but we, we can be prepared. And um, so I do have to ask you though, Mm-hmm. what is your, as a practitioner, what is your favorite prenatal? If they are getting ready to have a baby, whether or not they have Hashimoto's or another autoimmune condition, what's your favorite prenatal to start out with?
0: Yeah, so I have a, a few that I like. I really, right now I've been taking, um, Metagenix has one called Plus One, um, and I like it because some of the check marks I look for are making sure that it has choline because not a lot of um, prenatals have choline. Choline is really important for neurological development. Um, I like having iron. Um, some don't have iron. If you are more sensitive to iron or you're, you're typically anemic, I mean, you definitely need to make sure you're having iron in there. And then I'd probably maybe even add in like a liver capsule or something else. Um, but there is one by seeking Health that does not have iron um, because that can lead to more constipation and sometimes nausea. So you just kind of have to know what you're looking at, um, for your body. Um, but then also making sure that it has folate and not folic acid. Um, that's kind of going back to that MTHFR mutation. Some people cannot get folic acid to folate. Our body only uses folate. So if you're consistently taking folic acid, but your body's never getting that folate, that's going to become a problem and a deficiency during your pregnancy. So just take it as folate. Your liver then does not have to convert it. And most, you know, really high quality supplement grade supplements are using folate. It's more of the ones that you can find at like Costco or the Gummies, um, some of the not great quality ones um, are still using that folic acid. So the metagenics has all of those plus a fish oil. Um, so getting your EPA and DHA is really important. So whether you take it separately or this one just has these little packs, which they can you know travel really well with. So I like those. I also really like the mega food baby and me too. That's more of a whole food um, supplement. Uh, If you read the back, it says, you know, it's coming from like carrots or broccoli or whatever. So it's a very bioavailable source of nutrients. Um, The thing that I hear people complain about that one is the pills are pretty large. So they're not like, you know, the capsules and the other one are, you know, smaller and there's more of them, but this one is like two giant ones and then you're done. I don't have necessarily an issue with it but if you're not into swallowing pills don't get the baby <laughs> <too. coughs> um, seeking health is the one that i mentioned that doesn't have iron i like that one as well um, orthomolecular has a good prenatal it can just be a little bit hard to buy that orthomolecular but if you're a practitioner or have an account with emerson you can get it on um, emerson or wellavate um, if any of your listeners need an account with any of those or full script or if you have one i'm sure you can kind of recommend people go there, but that's typically where I, I get most supplements is Emerson or Script. But I'd say those are probably the three that I like. Thorne has one that's a basic prenatal um, that's pretty good, but yeah. I'm glad you gave a bunch of options because
1: there can be can be harder to find. Um, and you've got to find one that works for your body too. I actually started with the mega food and I have no problem taking pills, but they were really huge. Yeah, they're really <laughs> and big. I did end up taking the the seeking health one afterwards. So I'm like, oh, I did pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So now that you, you said he's 14, 14 months now, right? So Correct. you are working on balancing life with a baby and a practitioner working and your husband's working. So you're, you know, you're not busy at all.
0: <laughs> exactly. Nothing to do.
1: <laughs> so you, you talked about, you know, being gentle with yourself and being balanced in terms of, in terms of what you're doing for your health. But what are those things that you do now to, to keep your health in check and to feel really good as a
0: mom? know, it's really, really hard. I will say I'm not very good at it all the time. Um, I think that's one thing that I really struggle with because you kind of want to do everything, you know, you want to do all the things all the time. Um, I think my best Advice that I found works for me is just kind of trying to come up with some type of system But having that system be like the loosest most flexible system on the planet because It's probably not going to work out But at least you tried and maybe there's like somewhat of a, a general sense of like, okay He takes a nap during this time and during this time I can definitely try and get maybe even just like two things done and then when i'm not you know, trying to get work done um, and I'm with him, I'm trying to be fully present. However, I will say getting stuff done on walks has really been life saving. Um, Whenever I'm out walking him in the stroller, um, you know, I'm communicating with clients or I'm checking my email or trying to kind of multitask a little bit, but I try and be choosy about when I'm multitasking. Right? So I'm not going to be like, you know, scrolling on Instagram when I'm also trying to like feed him or like play with him or something like that. I try and multitask where I can, um, and then I think trying to have those designated kind of times for like this is when I'm working, this is when I'm not working. Um, my mom does help; she lives really close, which is is nice. So I'm out of the house or was out of the house working in um, the clinic on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and then I also work in a rehab facility. Um, for substance abuse. And I teach a nutrition course, um, every Tuesday there. So those are kind of my like out of the house work days. Um, and then when I'm here Monday, Wednesday, Friday, it's just, you know, my own clients as much as I can get done. It's been really, really nice having my husband home. I will say during this, this mm-hmm. quarantine time, um, cause he's been really helpful and he's, he's pretty hands-on with them. I'm pretty lucky. I know that's not the case for everybody, but he's, he's really been helpful. So I can kind of focus a lot on, on my business and stuff as well. But yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's just, it's hard, you know, and, and when it doesn't happen, I would really, in the very beginning, I think I would get really, really upset. Like I felt like I wasn't accomplishing anything and I was kind of running around and basically just trying to do too much at once. And while I still feel like I'm doing that, I think my expectations have gotten a lot softer to where I'm like, that's okay. Like you can do that later. Or, you know, you can do that when he goes to bed. It's really not a big deal. You didn't get it done, um, you know. So I think just kind of like managing your own expectations, to be honest.
1: No, I think that's huge. That is such great advice. And I think that's advice that I need right now too. <laughs> I think so many of us need that where we do. I think as moms put so such high expectations on ourselves, we can only do – what we can do and trying to block out the time, like you said, and give ourselves that grace because yeah, it, it's hard being a mom.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the other thing too, is I think that what I've tried to do is to only take on things that I know that in some way, shape or form I can actually do. Right. So like we actually had, you know, during our kind of like, okay, how are we going to maintain the podcast that I do with um, Chelsea? Um, we were like, I don't know. I don't know if we can keep this up. And I was like, I don't know if I can either, this is just so much work. And uh, we both kind of were like, no, we need to figure this out. All we need to do is put systems into place. I'm gonna do this, you're gonna do this. I can do this here, you can give me grace here, I'll be patient with you here. And then when it comes to something like, you know, working with my own clients, I've transitioned everybody to using an app called Boxer. So it's like a walkie talkie app and that's the only way that I communicate with my clients. We have one call and that's it because I just can't commit to meeting with someone at a specific time. I'm sure they can't either because most of the people that I work with are also moms or they have a full-time job. So working smarter and not harder, um, you know, picking up something like, you know, I joined Beauty Counter as a consultant because I can do that on my own time. So I've really tried to not do anything that I know that I can't really make it work. Like I I thought I was going to go back to teaching yoga. And I was like, Allie, no, like, I know you want to do that. that's not going to work out for you. (laughs) Like, it's just too stressful. And so anything that becomes too stressful, I think I've just let it go and kind of like, you know what, it's not in the cards right now, but it doesn't mean that I can't go back to that at some point in time. I think that I get stuck, you know, in the cycle of like, he's only going to be this age forever and I'm never going to be able to do these things. And my husband's constantly reminding me that he's not going to always be this age. He's going to be in preschool. Like, not soon, but kind of, you know? And then he was like, and then he's going to college and then he's married and he's not even here. And I'm just like, okay, stop. (laughs) You know, like you have to kind of remember that this is just a snapshot and don't try and do all the things because you'll have time to do it later.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It does go by ridiculously fast, which I'm sure you're already taking note of. (laughs) Yes. Yes. But it's true that everything's a season and I think that was the best piece of advice my husband and I got when we like first became parents. My oldest is six. I feel like an old parent now. <laughs> <laughs> but it's that everything is a season and whether it's with parenting or with the things that we want to do, there will be always time. There will always be time to do those things. But yeah, not putting too much on ourselves because as we talked about, stress is no good for our health either. So yeah. So I'm curious then. So for the mom, let's say, or whoever the listener is, whether she's a mom or just a woman listening, who feels like she has some new symptoms coming up, she feels like she needs to prioritize her health, even through all of the craziness of mom life what are what are some maybe signs or symptoms that she might need to prioritize her health a little bit more and how can she maybe start moving forward in that in the busyness of mom life i know that's a really big question but (laughs) i'm just gonna let you
0: go for it (laughs) yeah well I, i definitely think that i mean we kind of forget that we have so much power and there's actually so much that we can do for ourselves and for our health. And it might just be putting together the right team or asking the right questions or reaching out to that one person that might point you in whatever direction that may be. So I think if you're experiencing and just to give some like signs or symptoms, I mean, extreme fatigue is a hard one because everybody, you know, I feel like if you're a new mom or if you're just a mom in general, or sometimes even if you're just a human, like people are tired. We live in a day and age that seems exhausting because we Even see things on social media like, oh, this person's doing this and she's getting that certification and she did this, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, you just constantly mentally feel like you're behind and that's exhausting. But if you are just kind of dealing with extreme fatigue, like no matter what, I would say don't ignore it. Don't just put that on, oh, it's motherhood, oh, it's this. You can say that for so long, but why not take advantage of figuring something out sooner before it becomes an even bigger problem? So I would say extreme fatigue, no matter how much sleep you're getting. That would be you know somewhat of a red flag depending on your season of life. Um, horrible periods is a big one. Um, you know, terrible PMS, you know, tons of cramping, really moody. We actually shouldn't have these extreme symptoms like that every time you have a period. It's just become so normal that we're just expected that this is what happens and this is just gonna, you know, I'm gonna deal with this for this month and move on. But that shouldn't be the case. So that could be a sign of you know something like estrogen dominance, or there's a whole different or a handful of different things you can look at with that, but knowing that that's not normal is sign number one. Um, or again, lack thereof. I know a lot of women um, who say, "Oh well, you know, I have my period maybe like every other month, or sometimes I miss two months, but it's fine. It's like, okay, yeah, I'm I'm glad you're getting it. Let's start with that because that's good. I was the person who didn't have it for two years, so like to me that seems like oh, it's not too bad. <laughs> but of course, knowing what I know, you should be having them, you know, relatively. Every twenty-eight days, every single month. So if there's something off about that, there's something off elsewhere. Um, digestive issues, um, migraines, constant bloating—these um, are all things that kind of can happen. And I would say a large amount of you know people, or the majority of our population, has some of these things. But you don't have to. I mean, I, I think we just get used to it. But why? I mean, why get used to something that's uncomfortable or that you have to take a medication for or you know, a supplement for, even if it's like, yeah, I just take magnesium every time I get a headache, but I get headaches every day. I mean, that's not, you know, quote unquote, being like the most natural either. We have to figure out why you're having headaches in the first place. So I'd say anything is relative for, you know, a cause for concern. And I don't think you have to necessarily go straight to the doctor and just say, hi, I'm having all these things. I mean, you could even just reach out to a friend or, I mean, best case scenario, someone, you know, like ourselves that does this for a living and focuses on, you know, balancing out people's bodies, because it could be that I may just make a simple suggestion or um, point you in the direction of someone else. Or even if it's like, Hey, maybe you should not do spin class every day at 5am. Maybe you should try yoga. Like that's a simple suggestion that could actually change someone's life. So I think just reaching out and, and addressing and saying like, Hey, I have these things going on. Um, even on Instagram now, there's so many different people putting out free content and free information and pointing people. I think if you are someone in this health space, I mean, all we really want to do is help people, you know, like, yes, we, you charge, you know, perhaps to work one-on-one together and maybe that's necessary. But at the same time, I love helping people who just have a simple question. You know, it's like, you can ask whatever you want to ask for the most part. Maybe some people might not get back to you, but for the most part, or if you ask me, I definitely will put you in the right direction or do what I can to help you. So I think just asking the question and just you know saying, hey, this isn't right and doing something about it is the best place to start.
1: Yeah. Oh, I think this all just keeps going back to being your own advocate and being okay with asking the questions and noticing when something is going on in your body and being You know, aware of that and going, something's not right. And it's okay to follow that instinct, to follow that intuition and go and get the help. And there's no shame in going, I'm having headaches every day. Maybe I need to look into this further. And I'm really glad that you mentioned that about supplements too, because I mean, there are lots of supplements that are good for us and are going to improve our health and our nutrition. But if we're using them in the same way, we would be using like an over-the-counter medication to, you know, mask something that is happening regularly, it could mean that there's something deeper that we want to look into. So I'm really glad you brought that up.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just because they're natural, they're still herbs. Herbs can be really, really powerful. So I think, you know, if you have a mission and something you're working on and that's getting you towards balancing, that's much different than just taking something like you know, I have anxiety. And so I take 5-HTP every day. You know, that's another example that I feel like is pretty common. It's like, well, where's, where's the anxiety coming from? Like, we should talk about that, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, which could be a whole host of different reasons. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So do you have then any kind of last advice for the woman who might be struggling in her health, whether it's you know, something similar to you where she is kind of, kind of randomly finds out that she's got a health condition that now she wants to take action on, or she's been struggling with something that is you know, affecting her life in a really deep way, how can she then focus on her health? and start making these changes and also kind of show up
0: for her family well. What is, your, what, what is your best advice for that woman? I would say my best advice is to delegate. You know, it's like any, any business woman or anybody running a business, they didn't build an empire and they didn't do it on their own. I think getting yourself a good team of people, like I had, still have, once we can go back to doing kind of some of our regular things, a chiropractor, an acupuncturist, Um, you know, a friend who's a naturopathic doctor that I ask a million questions to. I have other friends who are nutritionists that I love asking questions for. I have friends that are really good at, you know, cooking simple meals. You know, I ask them advice for things. So I think building yourself a team is going to allow you to not feel like this is so overwhelming. Um, In the beginning, I kind of was like, I'll build a relative, like pretty good team, but I'm also going to go down all the rabbit holes and research everything. And I wanted to do that. And that was fine, but I don't think that's everybody. I think that other people, you know, listening might have, you know, a job in accounting or in finance, or they're a real estate broker, you know, it's like they have a million other things to worry about and they're not really interested in figuring out their health. So it's okay to have those people do that for you. Um, And some of the stuff isn't going to be solved overnight. I think being, you know, patient too, it's like, I mean let's see, it's 2020. And I still have question marks about my gut health. And I still have question marks of, you know, what's causing my TSH to sometimes randomly spike, like I don't have the answers. And I do this for a living. And it's been since 2015. Right. So it's constantly kind of this like learning journey. And there might not be like a, an end game, I'm going through another certification program right now where um, all these practitioners, she was giving the course, and she was like, even the people like us who do this for a living, we know a lot of information. It's like we're never like, ah, I'm here. Like I am in the in the pinnacle of my health. It's like, no, there's always gonna be something. I mean, right now maybe it's coronavirus where everyone is, you know, a little bit more stressed out and maybe your health is kind of like okay and in and, and check and you're eating healthy, but we have this like outside stressor that the world is going through right now and there's things that we just can never control. So, you know, I think just being patient with that and knowing that might not be fixed overnight. But yeah, I would say delegate. And especially as a mom, that's the one thing that I've learned, um, is I tend to be the person that wants to do everything because I think he's going to remember everything. And I'm like, no, I have to put him to bed every night because he's going to remember and he'll love me, you know, like he'll love me more and see my face. And it's like, no, he'll love you just the same. And he should also love his father. So like, you know, like, I don't know where I get this. It's like, it looks like a mom that you just want to like do all the things because you feel like this matronly, I don't know, responsibility or something like that. But, you know, giving dad bath duties or or whatever it may be, you know. Um, so delegating with your health, I think is equally as important because they all play a different role and someone is going to bring something new to the table every single time.
1: Yeah. Oh, I love that. Delegating, it's okay if it is not perfect, creating a team. And I love that you mentioned before too that, you know, there are those people that are really important to get on our team to help us heal, to get us to a place of health that we pay for. But then there's also a ton of resources online. So there's lots of different places that you can look.
0: And yes, I'm, all, so I'm
1: totally with you in the delegating with the parenting thing. I was the same way with my first one, with my first one, with my oldest daughter. <laughs> and I felt like I needed to put her to bed every night. I felt so guilty if I had, you know, anything I was really, really early in building my business when she was really young. And like every so often I had something and I couldn't put her to bed. And I remember just like feeling like the worst mom ever. And then with my second, my husband took over bedtime and he would give her her like one bottle of the day at bedtime. And it was a game changer because all of a sudden I got like a half an hour to myself at night, every yep. night. And I'm like, oh my gosh, we're, we're all done having kids now. But I'm like, I should have done that with my first.
0: Right. I know.
1: Yeah. It's okay to have that break as a mom. It's important. So, yeah. Yeah. Totally. Awesome advice. Thank you. So, I have three final sort of rapid fire questions, but really they're not okay. rapid fire. You can answer them as fast or as slow as you want to, okay. but <laughs> they're kind of fun because I love bringing the joy into eating and into health and into nourishing ourselves, and I love to talk about food. My first question is what is your favorite thing
0: to cook? Hmm. Good question. I feel like my answer is weird, but I'm going to say it. <laughs> because my favorite thing to cook is a, like a really good runny egg. Like there's nothing more satisfying when you get that like nice shovel from underneath the egg and then it doesn't break. And then when you put it on a piece of like, I don't know, I've been doing this like, um, keto bread from, it's called base culture. is like mm. my favorite gluten-free bread at the moment. And there's nothing better when you just cut right into that egg and it kind of yolks everywhere. So I really enjoy cooking runny eggs.
1: <laughs> so good. Eggs are probably my favorite food. If somebody tells me that I can't eat eggs, I would be devastated. I know. <laughs> Thankfully I've they've given, never
0: given me any issues. Yeah. I've given them up a few times and it's really tough. It's really tough
1: they're so good and they're so inexpensive they're just like and they're so nutrient dense they're just like the perfect little package and they're delicious so i love it <laughs> so then what is your favorite thing to order if you go out to a restaurant or i suppose get takeout now or have someone cook for you
0: um let's see well maybe two different answers so as of recently the cooking for me i've i've never really experienced too many people cooking for me i will say just because i've always been the cook um even when i came back home for like a few months in between moving and coming back from college like i just i cooked um my husband has never cooked and we've been dating um off and on but we met in high school so we're high school sweethearts and i pretty much have raised him like he doesn't <laughs> he's never needed to cook my husband's um, the same way <laughs> you know yeah so he doesn't really do a lot of the cooking and the things he has made um, I could, I could do without, so I'm going to go with the coffee that he's really good at making. He makes a beautiful coffee and he's, he's been blending the butter in it with the oat milk and it's just Mm. fabulous. So that's what I would love. And there's just nothing better than having someone prepare that for you. Um, but in terms of takeout, I am like a huge softie for fish tacos. It was Mm. my pregnancy craving. Always wanted fish tacos. I'm like, what pregnant woman craves fish? Like that's weird. (laughs) I mean, it's really probably about the corn tortilla and the sauce, let's be honest, but I still just really love a good fish taco. And being in San Diego, I'm lucky we have pretty good access to some good fish tacos here.
1: Yeah. Oh, I had fish tacos. We had fish tacos for date night this past week. I'm in Rhode Island, so we've got pretty good seafood too. Yeah. Different, different coasts, but I love fish tacos. Is one of yeah. my favorites. I love yeah. it. I think tacos have definitely been on the list for a lot of people for their favorite.
0: Just like <laughs> their favorite yeah. It's things. a perfect package of little everything.
1: so good so we talk a lot on this podcast about finding what I love to call your beautiful balance so it's going beyond kind of obsessing over our food and finding nourishment and pleasure in food and in life so what does your
0: beautiful balance mean to you I thought about this um as I was kind of looking ahead to some of the questions and I feel like my answer is is that there is not really sometimes a beautiful balance and especially with motherhood at least in the season that i'm at right now is accepting the unbalanced life or accepting that beautiful unbalance um because i mean i i held on to a lot of things early in um, my son's life in terms of like breastfeeding that that didn't work out. Latch was terrible. Long story short, just I we couldn't make it work. And so I've been exclusively pumping for now 14 months. And sometimes I think about that and I cry because I'm like, that's not what I wanted, (laughs) you know? And, um, with him too, like, you know, foods have been a little bit challenging. And like, that's my bread and butter. Like I do food for a living. So how do you not like all these things that I'm giving you? Um, And when I get really upset about it, I can go into a complete spiral and just be really upset. And that takes away from the beautiful, everything else that's happening. So I think that I've learned to kind of be okay with this beautiful unbalance of Some days are really great and he's literally the happiest kid and he smiles all the time and he laughs at himself in the mirror and then he'll, you know, choke on something and throw up everywhere. And I'm like, okay, that's a good balance. Yeah. We had like a very good high and a very good low. So that evens it out, doesn't it?
1: (laughs) That's motherhood right there.
0: Yeah, I I think it is. And the more I get into being a mom, I think that being accepting of the balance that is maybe not there is kind of, you know, beautiful because when you do have those really good moments, um, you know, they really mean a lot. So yeah, perfection is, is something that I feel like just shouldn't really be something you strive for. (laughs) Just do the best because what you're doing is perfect. You're raising a human, Mm -hmm. you know, everything you're doing the way that you're doing it in some way, shape or form is literally the perfect recipe.
1: Yes, I 100% agree. I love that. So, where can my listeners learn
0: more about you and your services? Where can they find you? Yeah, so this will be actually the first time ever even telling anybody besides my husband and a good friend of mine, but I'm doing a whole kind of rebrand um, with my business. And so, I'm going to be sometime in the next week or two. Um, I'm changing Bear Food Nutrition, which is my Instagram ham- handle to Allie Hobson Wellness. And I'm changing my website from barefoodnutrition.com to AllyHobsonWellness.com. So for now, you can still go everywhere to barefoodnutrition. Um, that's my website, my Instagram. Um, you can email me at uh, barefoodnutrition at gmail.com, which will also be changing. But um, yeah. I'm kind of excited about this new, this whole other resurfacing of what I have kind of going on. But in the meantime, I'll still be at the same, the same place.
1: Awesome. Well, you'll probably be switched over by the time this airs. So I will put all the links in the description and, you know, in the show notes and all that, and they'll be able to find you. And is there anything new coming
0: up in your business that you can share that you're excited about? Yeah, actually, I would love to. So the reason why I decided to do this was I just feel like, I've kind of evolved into the people that I'm working with, um, specifically to be only women. Not that I won't work with men, um, but right now I just I won't really because it's not my my passion. My passion is to work with women who are really focusing on their gut health, their thyroid, balancing their hormones, and preconception. Um, it sounds like a lot of different things, but they're completely related on all fronts. Um, so <laughs> that's kind of where my focus is. But um, as I said, I'm going through a new course. Um, to get certified into lab testing. So I can already do that now, actually. So I'm going to be able to do, um, you know, clinical functional testing for the GI um, track, doing stool testing. I'm going to be able to do blood work, um, hormone testing. uh, What else? SIBO testing, MRT food testing. So being able to run all these functional clinical labs, um, I really feel like, and also kind of in conjunction with working in a clinical space, I just feel like a much more functional root level nutritionist where I'm really balancing out the body and organs. And it's not just about food. A lot of it is, but a lot of the women that I see actually eat really well. They look, you know, they give me their, um, their food journals and I'm like, I don't really think I'd change anything. (laughs) I think that's good. You know, for now, I mean, we might find later that we have to take certain things out or we might shift, you know, things here and there, but, um, the bare food kind of nutrition just didn't really like, to me as much and I think becoming a mom you kind of have this new like sense of self and you know there's nothing more unique than yourself and your name and so I just felt more called to kind of change that to to my personal name but that's where you can I guess kind of see my my practice going as being more um you know functional testing and more functional nutrition.
1: Awesome. Oh, well, I'm so excited to see everything that continues to evolve in your business. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us and some really incredible advice. I'm so grateful that we had you on. Thank you. Thank you so
0: much for having me. It was such a pleasure.
1: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. If you loved it, would you take a screenshot and share it with a friend over on Instagram and tag me in it? It helps me so much to know what you love and are taking away from each episode. If you really loved it, would you hop over to iTunes and give me a star rating and review? Every rating and review helps this podcast be seen and heard by more women who need to hear the message of balance and wellness without deprivation. It's the best free gift you could give me.